Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm on the balcony. It's um, no excuse. Just had an early morning coaching session, and so it's beautiful and fresh, and it was really, really cold this morning, so I stayed just on the balcony, and you may hear some background noises there, uh, which can be a little bit annoying. I hope not too bad for you. Um, I, I do uh, hope the microphone volume is improved since I've moved back to using my uh, cord uh, Apple earphones, uh, my little white cord tangle phone thing. Um, if it's still a problem, please text me. Uh, I'd really appreciate the feedback. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you still can't get good volume on your, uh, on your podcast. So today, I want to talk about something that I think is fresh and fun, and that is uh, human change. I honestly believe the hardest thing on earth, the most difficult thing on earth, is the human change. So we are in a, in, in a, in a, in a, in a world that is uh, manufacturing DNA, modifying genes. And if you really would love to explore where the biological science of human development is, is gone and is going, uh, there's a TV show called um, Searching for the Superhuman, and I thoroughly recommend with your family and uh, friends or whatever, you watch this show all the way from series six back to one or one up to six and then watch it again. It is really important to understand biologically and, uh, and chemically what we're capable of in changing the human being. Uh, the being human and understand the ramifications of it one of which is for example when uh, people do IVF and the reason most people are doing IVF is a low sperm count on the part of the male and so what this show is saying is well that's fantastic that we can bypass this problem we can do all these things but one of the uh, problems uh, that it constructs is we're, we're breeding into the population a low sperm count male because the child inherits that, uh, that uh, uh, gene from the, from the father and, uh, and therefore what we're breeding is people with low sperm count which has been nature's selection process all the way along. If you had low sperm count, you didn't reproduce. If you didn't reproduce, then your low sperm count didn't carry into the next generations. Uh, now we're bypassing that, so now we're saying Let's argue with nature. Let's bring low sperm count uh, men into the into the population at large. And great, that's I'm all for it because uh, you know diversity and everybody equal, and we've all got a right to children and da 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 da. But there's this other aspect of it, which is the evolutionary aspect. And and I guess they don't give a good or a bad uh, target to it. They just simply say that's something that we're considering in the process of the ethics of IVF and the ethics of all this. And they're also talking about freezing eggs for women who want to have children later in life and, and all these things. It's, so it's, it's biologically ethical, the show. It's biologically neutral. It doesn't have an opinion what right or wrong. It just recognizes sometimes in the process of developing um, uh, human beings and a biological level uh, that some of our thinking, some of our processes will we'll naturally confront uh, some of our belief systems. Um, 
they're saying that there needs to be a bionic uh, Olympics, that the human beings they're uh, building out of people who have had brain damage or spinal damage or lost a limb or have an organ transplant, that organ transplantation process will build uh, an organ or a limb or a brain that is far superior to the, the natural process of things. So <clears throat> those people will go to the Olympics um, not as considered as Paralympics with a disadvantage. They'll go to the Olympics with a, as an Olympian with advantage. Um, and the case that in point is they were talking about people with amputees in the legs that got those spring feet. And the first uh, <coughs> person who went to the Olympics with those on um, was disqualified because the spring in the foot was greater than the spring in a natural foot. So that was a real simple example of how they had to outlaw the spring legs uh, in, the, in, a, in, in what they called uh, able-bodied Olympics and put them in the Paralympics. But in the Paralympics, those things had to be limited to a certain spring tension because otherwise that person could run a hundred meters with, uh, with a, 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 a carbon uh, leg that uh, remembered and stores the pressure of the last step. So this, the actual leg becomes um, uh, in itself, battery in a sense, self-powered. Um, and, and inevitably that's going to lead to a five second, 100 meter sprint. And what do you call that? Paralympics? Olympics, and they're saying, well, you're going to have to have a bionic Olympics. So, and then people can have these amputations by choice if they want to run fast. So, the, anyway, organ transplant by choice, a bigger heart or a better pair of lungs or something. And they're 3D printing growing uh, organs in test tubes, in bottles now. And so <coughs> I think this is really a, a really important stuff to be aware of as a conscious human being. What's the possibility of the human condition bi biologically? Searching for the superhuman. I love this show. I've watched it through twice, back to front, and, and I, I'm continually impressed by what the human condition in, in a, at a medical, biological level is capable of. However, <coughs> the most difficult thing on earth is to change a human being. Now, I'm not talking about biologically, I'm talking, and I'm not talking about psychologically, I'm talking about behaviorally. If you want a kid to use the back door of a house and not come in through the front door, you lock the front door. And so there are certain motivational techniques that we use to cause people to change their behavior. <coughs> Let's say, for example, you're the CEO of a company and you want somebody in the company to uh, take more stress uh, and or uh, to take more responsibility which will be work harder uh, because it's a bigger job and you uh, you say oh, we've got a bigger job for you um, and we're going to pay you more but let's just say that person that you offer the bigger job and the pay you more <coughs> and that person's role is instrumental in the development of your business but let's just say that person says well I'm, my net worth is uh, $40 million, $50 million, I own my house, uh, my spouse is happy, my kids are going to go through uni, um, I've got my retirement fund, I absolutely need no more money, absolutely need no more money. And you say, I'd like you to, I'd like you to take more uh, stress at work and here's some more money to do it. And they say, well, I don't need more money, 
So your invitation to take more stress is un un unattractive. And so then you start saying, well, I'll give you equality. Well, I've already got equality because I work with Chris. I understand nothing's missing, just change the simple. And they go, well, I'll give you, I'll threaten to fire you. Well, that's okay because I've got enough money and I can get a job anywhere. So what the hell? <coughs> so incentivizing people to change pushes them back into their, that person's individualized motivational uh, 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 vacuum. And, and I think this is where it's really hard because a lot of those uh, resistances to change, a lot of those resistances people have to changing uh, are caused by things that not everyone is aware of. So for example, the, the, the example I gave you just now, which, which is a person with a lot of wealth, won't be motivated by a lot more wealth, uh, uh, typically, anyway, um, and you say, I'll give you a double your current wealth. And they go, well, psh. but if they're motivated by uh, wanting to beat their neighbor and have a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger extension or renovate the house, then even $50 million won't be enough. And they'll want to have 100 million, 200. And so they, what they're trying to do is prove to somebody in the world that they're really clever. So that it's become a game. And they typically person who's running on the hundred million dollar mark and they're still motivated by money has a nest egg of 20 30 million somewhere um, that is untouchable if in case everything goes down so it becomes like a sport business becomes like a sport the business so when you ask a person to change it, 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 a, a human being is like a swiss ball you know the thing we exercise on, the big round balls that we, you can sit on them as an office chair even. So the big round Swiss ball, I have two of them out here on the balcony with me right now. And those big round Swiss balls um, have rings around them, growth rings. So when you get them, um, uh, uh, they're in a little plastic packet. Uh, the little plastic packet is about, I don't know, 100 millimeters square. And, and you get a little pump and you start pumping it. And basically, if you want to say that little plastic packet with a Swiss ball all folded up that got mailed to me and the pump, that's uh, like a baby being born and the pump is you. You're, you're asking that baby, that person, to, to your child to change. And you keep pumping food into it, you pump thoughts into it, you pump life into it, you take them to the park and teach them to ride a bike and you take them down to school and you pump education into it and you pump and you pump and you pump and you pump and the kid starts to turn into the shape uh, firstly it's all this squiggly the swiss ball and it's really cool to get a swiss ball they're only two dollars off amazon online uh, and just pump and just imagine that's the baby that you had or the baby that you were getting bigger and it starts off it doesn't form a circle or a sphere it forms a really wiggly sort of distorted thing and that's the first three or four years of a person's life it's it's not a ball. It's this distorted sort of air goes into its easy spots and it just chooses, depending on how it was folded and how long it's been folded in the packet in the storage company, it, it, it just it starts to expand in all weird different ways. And in that formulation of the expansion, there's an opportunity to make a really big problem because if you, if you were to sort of say wrap tape around the thing and say oh i love this part of you or i love that part of you i don't like this part of you or, i don't like that it's the equivalent of wrapping tape around the swiss ball which when you keep pumping air into it 
and they go to primary school and they start getting life experience and they start getting needs and wants. The Swiss ball doesn't expand as a sphere. So what happens with all this is it's really interesting to hear, uh, to understand. This is human change that I'm describing here. And the Swiss ball eventually, if, it, if you don't wrap tape on it and it did, unlike human beings, if it doesn't get distorted in, in the first uh, 50 pumps of the little hand pump they give you, if it didn't get distorted in that period of time permanently, then it forms a sphere. And that's what's called a healthy person. It's soft on the edges, so it's still adaptable and malleable and really doesn't have a strong sense of identity yet. It's, you know, 10 years old. It's, it's sort of growing in all directions and there's really no resistance to, to expansion. But bit by bit, the ball starts to get tense and tight. And then at a certain size of ball, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine putting the Swiss ball, uh, building a, 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 a two brick walls uh, uh, like a balcony and putting the Swiss ball between the two sides of this two brick walls. And let's just say you, you say, how far apart should I make this passageway along my balcony, you know, this one, this brick wall and the other brick wall, and I'm going to put the Swiss ball in between. How far apart should I make them? Well, you look at the Swiss ball and you've pumped it and pumped it and you touch it and it's quite hard. And you go, hmm, that's about the size of the, the Swiss ball that I need to uh, design my, to, uh, my brick walls for. And you stick the brick wall, uh, you, you stick the Swiss ball in between those two brick walls, assuming that the, that's about as big as the Swiss ball is going to get. So the Swiss ball's in there and you can still keep pumping if you really want. And, and uh, around about the age of 25 to 35, we make these two brick walls. We get married, we meet a partner, we get a job, we start to go, mm, I, I know how, I know what it's like. I know what the life is. I know what these two brick walls can be. And you, you create them. A sort of a, a sense of... Um, completeness or a sense of fulfillment and a sense of destiny for yourself. But then you start, then you realize that the pumping process of the Swiss ball change, life, uh, keeps putting air into the ball. But you've built these two brick walls. And you keep pumping and pumping and then someone at work says, hey, how about we change so that we can adapt to the digital industry, or how about we change so that we're, we're far more engaging of the, the role of women in business. How about we, shh, shh, and they're pumping, shh, 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 putting air into your Swiss ball. And they say, how about we uh, double our sales so we become more uh, global. And shh, shh, and it's asking you to change the way you lead people, asking the, you for the way you handle conflict with people, asking you to ha change the way you uh, handle stress. And overall, they're pumping air into your balloon, into your Swiss ball, they're pumping air in, and you're incentivized a little bit by wealth creation and by role uh, development and uh, by uh, success in life, and you've got some goals that you love to achieve and you want to get more money. And so at work, you say, yeah, I'd love to change. I love to change. I love to keep changing. I love to keep changing. 
Well, unbeknownst to yourself, your ball is no longer round, sphere. It's actually expanded into a sausage. And you suddenly realize that the two things that you built on either side of the Swiss ball are constricting the growth. So when somebody eventually, when you're in your 40s, says, hey, would you like this new job? You go, how will it affect the walls? So in other words, you're incentivized to change. You want to change. You want to grow your career. You want to grow this. But now there are certain conditions that you've implanted. You've put in place these two brick walls that you've said, as long as it doesn't impact, boom. And the reason we put the brick walls in there, and a, a, a good example, and a very typical example, is a relationship where, <coughs> where our spouse, male or female, so it's not talking about gender, our spouse isn't a big Swiss ball. Their Swiss ball is still way small inside the, the walls. And they look at life, they look at their career, they look at things. They're not really incentivized the way you've become incentivized to expand their capability of being big. Their capacity in their particular world doesn't require them to expand. And so they've just been, the, the, the size of pump that was given to them or the length of the stroke of their pump that was given to them is really short. And therefore, their ball is not expanding at the same rate as yours. And therefore, they become the brick wall. And as you expand in your career, you come home to a fixed, to a fixed wall and you don't want to lose it. You say, I really want to keep this marriage, this relationship, this home, uh, healthy and so therefore you deliberately and consciously ask yourself continually how do i keep respect the compression of having a flat spot on my uh, my swiss ball with a person who hasn't expanded how do i not disrupt them how do i not turbulate them to the point where they get angry at me working or i get angry at their life or get angry at the kids or get angry at something how do i not and so we we ask ourselves continually, how do I grow, how do I change in my business life or my, in my work and my career without disrupting the flat spot on my Swiss ball? So, so when we talk to someone and say, uh, hey, uh, uh, Freddie, I'd like you to change, they go, I'd love to change. I have absolutely incentivized to change. I would love to earn the money you're offering me to change. And in the back, way down the back, way in the back seats of the theater, in the back seats of the subconscious mind, something says, how will this affect my flat spot? And then they say, oh, I won't affect my flat spot. My flat spot will go away. That person will expand. But you've forgotten. You built the brick walls yourself. And you've said, I'm not going to expand my career if it negatively impacts my family and you're the one who's actually put the constriction on the growth you can achieve in your business by actually saying I want to keep this part of me fixed depending on the behavior and the reaction and the the dynamic I want in my home life I want to keep that fixed 
I want to keep that picture that I created when I was 15 years old, and but I do want to create new pictures as a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old in uh, my career. And suddenly you start to get out of shape. Now, there is nothing uh, uh, more dangerous than being not round. So nature intended a human being to be a sphere, not a sausage, not a, f not a Swiss ball with two flat spots. Firstly, it doesn't roll easily. Secondly, it would always roll to its side. So ultimately, we say, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change because of the impact it will have on the flat spot in my life. Now, that flat spot could be fear of dying, you know, could be a memory of a father or a mother who passed away from stress. And you go, I'm going to build my brick walls not out of a relationship. I'm going to build my brick walls out of the subconscious fear that if I work too hard, uh, I will be stressed. So we create the brick walls around a stress tolerance. And we say, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to change uh, my job or my life or my work or my relationship or anything just in case it stresses me and causes me to go into a place that I said I would never go, which is the stress zone and which killed my parents or the danger zone that made somebody alcoholic or the financial zone that made somebody uh, poor. So we have these programs running in our brain that say, this is, these are the, the, these are the uh, no-go zones of my Swiss ball, but these are the go zones of my Swiss ball. So I'm happy to work and build a bigger career as long as it doesn't impact my family and the impact on your family is depending on the reaction of certain people in your family. It may not even be your spouse. It may be their parents. It may be your parents. It may be your grandparents. It could be anybody, but you build a brick wall and say, I'm happy to go down this path as long as it doesn't constrict that, interrupt that. And the constriction building the two brick walls down each side was done when you're younger. And the idea of knocking that wall down and saying, oh, well, I'm gonna get a divorce, move my Swiss ball, make it round and keep going. The habit of saying, as long as it doesn't impact, boom, as long as it doesn't impact, boom, as long as it doesn't impact, boom, you'll just take the same old brick wall philosophy, build another brick wall to the size of your new self, put a brick wall down the side and say, I found a new spouse, I found a new uh, job, I found a new thing, I'm gonna build a brick wall and say, I'm gonna, I'm happy to change as long as it doesn't impact and just use the same words as you used before with a bigger, uh, with a wider uh, channel between the two brick walls and of course end up with the same flat spots in a new relationship or in a new job and in a new thing. So when we ask somebody, when, you, when I say to somebody, you, you, they come to me and they say, come for coaching and my mastery in coaching is change. So they go, I'd like to change something. And I go, absolutely, that's what I'm good at. That's what I've done a lot of in my life, you know, six marriages, uh, 15 different uh, countries to live in, uh, uh, moving house whenever I want. I, 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 I had uh, 10 years of an average of 320 bed nights a year in hotel rooms. I love change. Nobody can argue with that. I've had sports that I've changed. I've had... Uh, you know, business that I've changed, I've had careers that I've changed, change. So 
I guess I've, I've proven that I love change and, and, and I'm good at it, uh, should be by now, because I can do a lot of change without any trauma. And I really know that I don't have any flat spots on my Swiss balls, but that's taken a bit of work because there were constrictions. You know, I'll change as long as, I'll change as long as, I'll change as long as. So when you're asking another person at work to change, you go, well, here's a new job, uh, uh, Freddie. Your new job is to help people in this company change. And you go, would you like to change? And they all go, yeah, yeah, we'd love to change. But then you, what you don't hear is the piece of them say, as long as it doesn't affect click. And you're not allowed because of uh, corporatized uh, uh, diligence around privacy and uh, invasion of privacy and judgment and equality and all the words, you're not allowed to invade the, the source of the as long as, in inverted commas, it doesn't impact, boom. So you go, would you like to change? They go, yes. What will cause you to change? More money because, you know, I, I want to build a, a new house. Okay, then we have commitment to change. Yeah, absolutely. Commitment to change, I will change. And you come back next week, you go, how'd you go? You go, well, nothing happened. And you go, well, I thought you said you could change and you wanted to change. And the person will say, well, I wanted to change, as, but what I didn't say and what they won't overtly express to you, as long as it doesn't impact, boom. So sometimes two people come in a relationship, their Swiss balls fit in the, in the, in the channel. And they go, oh, wow, we're a perfect couple. We, we've got the same walls. We want to build, uh, 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 um, we want to build, we agree with each other. We want to build wealth together. We want to build a family together. But, the, but you also colluded on the as long as it doesn't da-da-da. One of the two people in that channel will eventually go, well, I recognize that my as long as was a wound or I recognize my as long as was based on a, a belief that I was, had an inadequacy or a vacuum in a certain part of my life. But I've broken through that and I want to remain a sphere. I want to remain alive uh, for a long period of time. And the other person says, well, I, my Swiss ball didn't touch the walls of the channel we've built yet. So I still have the as long as um, that we had when we first met. And one of those two people have to start getting flat spots on their Swiss ball. And when the flat spots start to get, when they keep pumping, because life just keeps putting air in the ball, you can't stop putting air in the ball. You, it just never stops. The day that air stops coming in the Swiss ball, you, you'll read your name on the uh, obituary. So the air comes into the Swiss ball because that is life. That is stress, that is tension, that is new things, that is opportunities, that is growth, that is development. But flat spots on the Swiss ball, that's disease, illness, that's uh, uh, self-deprecation. And ironically, what we do quite often to the flat spot is we develop a, a process of saying, well, I know I'm constricted in that area of life. What I'll do is develop pain tolerance. And therefore we go, well, uh, I can tolerate being with a flat spot in my life uh, to make sure I don't disrupt and aggravate my spouse or whoever it is or parents or grandparents, I'll, I'll maintain that flat spot. 
in there. And so what we do, do is do bit by bit develop a pain tolerance. And that pain tolerance means that we, we keep accepting it more and more, and, but it, it, it becomes like the default. My uh, life is constricted by obedience to my grandparents because they said, be, uh, be, uh, do your work as long as you're a good Christian or something like that. And you eventually end up going, oh my God, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I, I want to change. I want to grow in one area of my life as long as it doesn't blah, blah, blah. And so we start living someone else's constrictive, uh, uh, in someone else's constricted space that may have been invented uh, many years ago or may be a part of their own woundedness. Pulling down the walls and expanding them, that's, a, that's not easy uh, uh, because we spend a lot of time building the wall and a lot of investment in those building those two brick walls. And eventually the flat spot on the Swiss wall becomes norm. And you go, well, I'm, you know, I've got my work and I do my work and I'll expand my work and I'll change it in my office as long as it doesn't affect luck. And, and that is not necessarily, after a period of time, your own luck, it's someone else's. But you develop pain tolerance, and so you go, well, this is the default, this is what I'm gonna live with, this is what I'm gonna accept. I'll accept a flat spot on my own uh, Swiss ball. And that's eventually what kills you. This is Chris, have a great day. Bye for now.